Welcome to a somewhat unexpected edition of Dear Old State. I am the athletic college football editor Matt Brown, joined by Penn State writer Audrey Snyder. And Audrey, no sooner did you write uh, a story that mm-hmm. talked about potential for no coaching changes than Penn State had a coaching change like five minutes later. It's been quite Jinx a last on. week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just when I was like, oh, yeah, I think maybe they'll make it through without any coaching changes course wake up friday morning running some errands and you hit me up and you were the one to actually deliver the news to me matt you're welcome that kirk shiraka had been fired and that he was replaced by mike yersich so here we are now we're recording this wednesday morning penn state still hasn't formally introduced mike yersich yet uh, but have to imagine at some point i would think in the next few weeks they do that on zoom but yeah, I, I mean, I quite understand a Twitter, no, Twitter tw- or tweet to see, like I was just sitting on my computer <laughs> as I do. And it just said like Franklin announces coaching change with like a generic photo. It's like, what? Or I forget exactly what it's, but something like, like yeah. that's the headline says, so it's like, well, I guess it's not shocking that they can make a change, but the fact that it would be Kirk Sherrock after one year. Yeah. It's a little more shocking. Yeah, that, that's not been James Franklin's track record either, you know, with OCs. And you look at since he's been here at Penn State, John Donovan got two years. Uh, Joe Moorhead, two years, and then, of course, moved on on his own. You know, Ricky Ronnie, two seasons. And then you look and it's like Kirk Sharaka gets one, and it was an abbreviated nine-game season. I mean, I understand it. The offense was a mess. We knew it was a mess. But to me, Matt, the interesting part, the surprising part, was that everything they kept saying all season was we need more time. You know, we've had a lot of transitions here, four new offensive coaches. This was the worst possible offseason to have, you know, four new offenses or four four new coaches, three on the offense. So to me, that's where it was kind of like, oh, so you're going to do this. But through my reporting, through talking to people, then it became, I think, even more clear as to why they did that. Uh, I definitely did not think that my Friday would end with me talking to Mike Gundy on the phone as he left the ranch. That was not uh, not how I saw Friday playing out. But of course, the. The story about Mike Yersich, which I'm sure I don't know if how many listeners know it or don't know it, but if you follow college football closely, if you follow and read the athletic, yeah, I say if you've read the athletic, we've written about it before a couple times, um, and that's actually how I rediscovered it because I wasn't too terribly familiar with Mike Yersich. I mean, I knew a little bit about him, but I just I wasn't never followed Oklahoma State to know it, um, and was not keeping a very close eye on Texas last year. And one year at Ohio State wasn't wasn't enough for me to really dial in on it. You weren't but, following closely the comings and goings of the PSAC before he arrived at Oklahoma State? <laughs> I know. How dare I, right? <laughs> it, it, was, it was pretty crazy. I mean, I, I still can't wrap my head around the idea, Matt, of Mike Gundy searching for prolific offenses back in 2012 and clicking over to the Division II tab and seeing this Shippensburg team that was lights out and saying, you know what, I'm going to request some film from Shippensburg and I'm going to look to make this guy my potential offensive coordinator. I mean, it's just an insane story. And it's one that I spoke with Shippensburg's head coach last week, who was you know, still there and was there when Yursich was there as their OC. And, you know, he said it was, it was funny. He's like, you know, we had no idea why Oklahoma state was requesting Shippensburg game film. And then all of a sudden Mike Gundy is rerouting a recruiting trip in Hagerstown, Maryland. And next thing you know, he's saying, Hey, Mike Yersich, come and meet me at this hotel in Hagerstown. I want to inter- interview you for my OC job. I mean, it's just bonkers when you think about it. Yeah. And you look at, so, I mean, for extra background, Yersich is uh grew up in Ohio, but uh, went to Cal U of PA. So he, he played, um, 
football in Pennsylvania, then was an assistant in the state of Pennsylvania for a while as well at Edinburgh at Shippensburg. And uh, yeah, so he spent like, you know, almost 13 years, 12 years in as a lower level assistant before getting the call up to the big 12, obviously a big leap. Oklahoma state had lost a couple coordinators to head coaching jobs. Uh, Mike Gundy was kind of sick of that. So he wanted a guy who might stick around for a while. Now, Funny enough, like seven years later, Penn State could find itself in the opposite situation. They could, yes. if he succeeds, lose him. We'll get to that. There's a lot but, of head coaching potential here with Mike Yersich, absolutely. But I think based on the fact that, you know, last Friday, kind of this happens out of nowhere, Yersich is two years removed from being at Oklahoma State. He left there, you know, had done his time there at, as for five years, six years. Six, yeah. And became the passing game coordinator at Ohio State, just kind of looking for you know, another place to learn, another place to grow. Ohio State, obviously a great place to, to learn as a coach. Um, and then took the offensive coordinator job at Texas, calling plays for Tom Herman. And then that staff got swept out last year, making your such available. Uh, but, you know, it's a, a, just the fact that a Penn State reporter on Friday reaches out to Oklahoma State on a whim and saying, hey, would Mike Gundy like to talk about a guy he hired seven years ago who has not been there for two years and was in fact at a <laughs> rival school in the same conference last year? And like Within pretty hours, quickly you got yeah. him. I think yeah. <laughs> that speaks to how high highly Gundy thinks of Yersage for one. Absolutely. That he'd be willing to, you know, take 10 minutes out of out of a day to it was like 30 minutes reporter Matt. across the country. He's never it was a long to. it was a long drive right. back from this ranch, apparently. Um <laughs> but no, you're exactly right. I mean it speaks to Mike Gundy's going to and rightfully so should take some credit for kind of discovering Mike Yersich and the yeah. fact that what he did and the thing that was interesting, I also spoke with Shippensburg, Shippensburg's quarterback at the time, Zach Zuli. And Zuli was the guy who uh, Yersich credits for kind of putting him on the map. And he's told this quarterback, he said, listen, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I'm at today because the numbers that they put up there were just so eye popping that it was able to get him on Gundy's radar. But imagine that Mike or Matt rather Mike Yersich is going from being an offensive coordinator at Shippensburg, making $52,000 a year to all of a sudden Mike Gundy hires him. And then he has to step into that offensive meeting room with other guys who wanted that job as OC. And Mike Gundy was like, I didn't think those other guys were ready. They didn't have a quarterbacking background. I wanted somebody who had been a quarterback's coach. And then those guys got an answer to the guy who was making 52 K previously. Like it's just, it's insane. Uh, But I mean, Gundy just gushes about this guy. And I know a lot of people, uh, at least commenters, people on, on my stories have said, well, if Gundy likes him so much, why did he let him go? And the whole point there is he let Mike Yersich move on because he wants to see this guy become a head coach. He wants to see this guy thrive. He believes in sharing and spreading ideas and picking up what you can from other staff. So, you know, you're such a Gundy. Football. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, you're not going to keep your same staff together forever and ever. Um, and so you're such and him, they still, you know, they talk Gundy said, yeah, if we're at the coaches convention, we'll get together, have a beer or two and, and reconnect. But, you know, it's about idea spread. It's about developing, but, the, the tenets of a Mike Yersich offense was something that everybody I spoke with, I started asking them, okay, like what made his offenses so prolific? What are kind of the keys to it? Why does it work? Uh, and the thing that Gundy made a point uh, of saying, and again, I encourage you to read the story on The Athletic. I have two pieces up. Um, and one of them, Gundy said, yeah, James Franklin reached out to me before about Mike Yersich and I told him to hire him last year and he didn't. Uh, so, now, Matt, we can 
decipher why that didn't happen. And there's a bunch of different reasons. Maybe he thought, maybe Yersich thought Texas was a better fit at that point. Maybe he thought Texas was kind of, you know, maybe they're offered him more money. Again, we don't know. We can't see Penn State's contracts for coordinators because of the open records laws in Pennsylvania being so restrictive. So I can't tell you what Kirk Shiraka was making. I also can't tell you how much money Penn State might have had to pay him out uh, when they fired him for the contract. Again, we're in a pandemic, so all these things really are amplified when you look at budget cutting and cost cutting. Uh, but you got to assume Texas was throwing him quite a bit of money. And you can also look at it from the other side and say, okay, um, you know, maybe Franklin wanted Sharaka. Maybe he didn't, right? I mean, to me, Matt, my gut tells me, my reporting and my gut tells me that this is a move they make because they weren't going to miss out on this guy twice right? Both parties needed something right. this time. Yersich needed a job. James Franklin was not happy with the offense last year. This is the guy he wanted. Um, I know 247 had had reported, had posted on a message board um, that they felt that uh, Ohio State had blocked Yersich from uh, interviewing So at, with Penn State. Now, that would be an interesting layer. And again, the only people who know whether or not that happened are ones we haven't heard from yet, being James Franklin, Mike Yersich, uh, Sandy Barber, all those kind of kind of parties. Uh, Ryan Day, I think he's got other things going on right now than to, to answer questions about that. But yeah, Matt, to me, it's just there's so many things to kind of unpack with Yersich, but his rise is certainly one of them. So you look back at his background, and and I, you know, we figured out that in his uh, eight years in the FBS and, you know, one year at Ohio state, he wasn't like the primary play caller, but eight years at the FBS level, his offense has finished better in points per game and better in yards per play than Penn state in each of those eight seasons. Now he had like one lousy year, 2014, his second year at Oklahoma state, mm-hmm. uh, was 76th in points. Oklahoma state was 76 in points per game, 76 in yards per play, which was better than Penn state that year. Penn state's offense was pretty bad in 2014 as 2015 as as everybody remembers uh, but other than that seven of the eight years Yersich's offenses have been in the top 20 uh in points per game including uh number four in 2017 Texas despite you know the coaching staff got fired this year but Texas was eighth in points per game and 18th in yards per play this year so it's not like their offense was a bad or a train wreck or something yeah. so you know this is a guy with a track record of success not just at D2 Shippensburg, but he succeeded at Oklahoma State, stayed there a while for somebody who had that much success, and now has kind of climbed the ladder, taken some more opportunities, learned. You know, he coached Mason Rudolph at Oklahoma State, also helped bring Mason Rudolph to Oklahoma State from South Carolina. You know, coached Justin Fields uh, 2019, and then this year inherited Sam Ellinger. So he's worked with some good quarterbacks, has, you know, again, it kind of speaks for itself. Even 2016, Penn State obviously had a really explosive offense. Uh, Oklahoma State ranked higher in points per game in yards per play. 2017, same thing. Penn State was sixth in points per game. Oklahoma State was fourth. So, uh, you know, every it's year success. outside of one, every, yeah. success, 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 track record with quarterbacks, um, you know, even a track record with recruiting quarterbacks When with Rudolph as that example. So it's an odd situation. You you know, you feel bad for Kirk Scirocco. Like, look, mm-hmm. I don't – everybody will agree things did not go well this past year, you know, I, I, we criticized him plenty for sure. We criticized the play calling. We criticized, you know, the predictability of the offense and kind of how Kirk or Sean Clifford didn't really grow in under his tutelage, but you do also have to 
say that it was a weird nine game season without a spring practice to implement an offense with two other new position coaches as well at wide receiver on offense at wide receivers offensive line. You had a you know disjointed preseason because the season got canceled and then put back on. There was a lot going on. And you can certainly argue that Kirk Sharaka didn't get a fair shake to install his offense mm-hmm. in an actual semi-normal year. Not saying things are normal now, but the offseason should be a little bit more normal. Uh, but you know, it's also the reality of the business. And James Franklin, it seems, thought he could make an upgrade, so he did it. And that's where Penn State stands. And been a lot of turnover at a school that still isn't used to turnover, given that they yeah. had two <laughs> offensive coordinators from 1984 to 2011. Uh, so this is what number five under James Franklin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five since 2014. And, and to me, Matt. Uh, the point you made about the second year at Oklahoma state for your uh, the thing there that Gundy pointed to, he said, you know, I hire him. It's a great first year. Next thing you know, we're struggling and everybody's coming after me and saying this guy can't coach because he was at Shippensburg. Uh, and it's just interesting how like kind of those labels and backgrounds stick with people uh, right. because I mean, Mike Yersich is going to have head coaching opportunities. Uh, Mike Gundy told me that he thinks he could be ready right now for it. You know, that if, if things go differently at Texas, maybe it's a different conversation right now. And Mike Yersich is looking for a head coaching job. Uh, but if you're Penn State, absolutely, you go. To me, this is a move that, again, the surprise element rings true, not only because we didn't see it coming. There weren't any rumblings of it. I mean, usually with searches, you hear, oh, hey, you know, so-and-so was fired and James Franklin's opening up a search. There was no gap. It was, boom, here's a release. We fired this guy. We hired this guy. I'd be very curious, Matt, how behind the scenes, how quickly this unfolded. I mean, Texas, the staff was canned that weekend. This move was made by Friday. So I think that's our timeline. But the fact that Penn State signees didn't find out about this till Friday morning, so like essentially the same time we found out about it, I mean, this was James Franklin really taking ownership. Stuff by James Franklin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was no flight tracking, no this, no that. Um, I am very curious to know if Yursich had ever interviewed with Franklin before, um, because I, I think the answer is no, uh, based off of you know what we'd heard from from last year. But again, uh, to me, this is a move that you say, you know what if I want to be the head coach or the CEO, right? Cause that's what you are as a head coach. You're running the whole thing. Um, I want to be a CEO, a head coach of an elite program. This is a guy you can't let just sit idly by. So to me, it's a really smart hire, but I'm also with you in that I don't believe we, we ever saw a Kirk Shiraka's full offense here or anything close to it. No, um, no. you know, and I know fans are oftentimes quick to say, Oh, well, it didn't work out. He sucked, this and that. You don't have a track record like he has. You don't do what Minnesota did. Remember, Penn State was on the other end of that. You that don't have that happen <laughs> if the guy doesn't know what he's doing. Um, so I just, I, I do wonder, again, another point I brought up in my stories, you really should check him out at The Athletic. A lot of Mike Yursich content up there for your, your reading pleasure. Uh, but another point I brought up was something Mike Gundy said and that is, if James Franklin lets Mike Yursich run his offense, uh, lets him do his job, Penn State will be great. Now, I bring this up because last offseason, so much was made of James Franklin saying it was going to be a blended offense. It was going to be part of what Penn State did well and part of what Kirk Shiraka did well and what they liked. And they were going to have this happy marriage with this blended offense. 
I, I don't know, Matt. When we, I think this is more like 2016. Hey, Joe yes. Moorhead, here you go. Here are the keys. Make this Take offense it. better. Absolutely. And I think that's what it should have been. And I think in fairness, again, to Shiraka, um, he never got that opportunity because it was this blended offense. And yes, that's what he agreed to when taking the job. I, I understand it. Uh, but, you know, if, I feel, again, you feel for the players. Here they go again. Sean Clifford, hey, another offseason, another new offense. You got to get up to speed. How are you going to get up to speed? Um, again, Matt, who knows what spring ball looks like in 2021? We have no idea. But the so I was asking the old Shippensburg quarterback, Zach Zuli, about installing this offense and what are the challenges of it? One of the biggest things is the verbiage, right? And you look back at what Yursich was able to do and Mike Gundy hit on this as well. Big, important piece of the offense was pushing the tempo that they want to have these buzzwords that quarterback shouts a buzzword, the whole offense knows what to do. And that's what keeps them going with the tempo. And that's been Yursich's thing at Shippensburg. It was his thing at Oklahoma State and everywhere he's been since then. So, okay, if you're Sean Clifford, then, how do you get up to speed on this when you just finally like last September got to the point where you were speaking this same language with Kirk Sharaka and now you got to go and learn it all over again. So for me, that's again, that's going to be the difficult part this off season for these guys, because I don't know, Matt, if you're them, I feel like you have to feel blindsided by this move. Even if you're excited about it, you have to say, Hey, well, we were just, you know, we just learned all this last off season and we're told that, you know, this offense was going to be so prolific and it wasn't. So here they go again. So I would wonder about buy-in again, just because there's been so many transitions for this offense. But yeah, the, the verbiage system is going to be interesting. Zach Zuli told me that at one point at Shippensburg, Yursich's entire offense was based on anim- on excuse me on animals. So he said, if it's a power play, think of a powerful animal. If it's like a speed play, think of a fast animal. So you have layers like that. And I said, okay, well, what kind of teacher is he? Um, and Zach Zuli said, this guy could teach a freaking ant. So yeah, a good teacher. I mean, quarterbacks loved the guy, uh, the production speaks for itself. So I think to me, Matt, it's, it's not a matter of, did you get the right guy? Because I think absolutely you did, but it, to me, it's just a surprise of here goes another transition and you pulled this off really, uh, swiftly behind the scenes, which is impressive. So I guess we can spin things forward a little bit and look at what Penn State, you know, has coming and going and coming back because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's some key losses that we, there's been news since we last did a podcast, some comings and going, some decisions. But you look at the roster ends overall, there is a lot coming back plus a little bit added in the transfer portal. So especially on offense in terms of what's coming back, because uh, I think if you look at, you know, obviously Pat Fryermuth was a starter, but you take him out, you take Michael Mennett out, you take Will Fries out. The rest of the offense is back. Yeah, as, Rasheed as Walker now. coming back. Yeah, Rasheed Walker. Rasheed Walker's coming back. Tuesday. So there's a John Dotson. I mean, that was those were the two big ones. Yes. You know, I mean, to me, that was the and I guess the the benefit of going through what Penn State went through with all the injuries last year. You've already played several games without Pat Fryermuth. Um, yes. You, you know, like you, you've been through that's that. That's one position you, know you feel you good have. about in terms of what they showed. Not much. You know, the passing game was so frustrating this year, and yet. The tight ends and receivers, at least the top line receivers, both showed plenty mm-hmm. of potential to make Penn State feel pretty confident in that. They need to build depth at wide receiver for sure. Uh, but the top line receivers, like they're in position to succeed. It's just a matter of, you know, improving at quarterback and learning the new system. But 
you know, the skill talent is deep. And, uh, or, you know, when you look at the starting, the collection of running backs and receivers and tight ends, like there are pieces to work with that combined with a new offense, make the potential high, depending on how quarterback develops, it seems. Oh yeah. I mean, Noah Cannon is progressing through his rehab. Um, I'm interested to see Matt, if, if he's a guy that they have out there this spring, I mean, do you need to have him out there this spring? I mean, he's played a lot of football, but he's also missed a lot of football. So, you know, you have that, but yeah, to me, the two big ones, it was getting Jahan Dotson to come back for another year. It was getting Rashid Walker to come back for another year. Um, And to me, that's, you have that. And yes, the big if, as you mentioned, is this offense and learning it all over again. I understand that. But for Dotson, this is the first time in his collegiate career, he's going to have the same position coach, right? So I mean, hey, sorry, you got a new offense to learn again. So you got that. But you have Taylor Stubblefield again. And I think him staying also speaks to Stubblefield and what Stubblefield has been able to do with Parker Washington, with Keandre Lambert-Smith and those guys, especially Lambert-Smith continuing to develop him to feel really good about that depth. Uh, that's going to be important, but yeah, to me, the offense is in good hands. And then you look at the line, obviously Michael Mennett is moving on. Will Fry's moving on. Uh, so I, I guess Thorpe, I neglected to mention too. Yes, CJ Thorpe in the transfer portal. He plans to seek a grad transfer after he graduates this spring. Um, but my guess as to what they would do up front is you take Mike Miranda, move him from left guard to center, uh, since he was minutes, you know, true center backup the last couple of years. So then you're going to have a spot open at left guard. Uh, right guard is where Will Fries ended the year. So you keep Caden Wallace at right tackle and then. Juice Scruggs is a guy who we saw a lot of this past year. He can help you out along the interior. So you've got and options Des Holmes there. probably could slide in at guard too. He was yeah somebody who kind was the backup left guard, before. kind mm-hmm. of a swing tackle, has played a lot of positions. You'd think he might be a favorite for another guard spot, maybe with Scruggs. Like if I had to guess now, you'd go Walker, uh, Holmes, Miranda, and uh, Scruggs and Caden Wallace seems like a solid mm-hmm. bet for oh, yeah. starting five, but certainly there's, you know, competition and finally, uh, you know, Phil Troutwine gets a full off season to work with guys in person. Cause we talked about them, you know, changing technique last year and we didn't really see the offense grow and kind of take to it until the second half of the season. Yeah, no, I think they're, they're in a good spot there uh, despite what they're losing. I mean, and again, we can talk about the year hire being a surprise, but in terms of personnel movements and developments, it's often a surprise to fans when guys say they're staying or going, but these conversations have been ongoing with the coaching staff for like the last five to six weeks. Like, I mean, they knew who was staying, who was going um, and flipping it to the other side of the ball with the defense. Again, you've already played a season without Micah Parsons. Yes. They're growing pains. I understand that, but you have a season, you know, in the bag without him. Jason Oway is moving on. Uh, Shaka Tony is moving on. Shane Simmons moving on. But okay, so you can say, yeah, losing Oway certainly hurts uh, the defensive end spot. We'll get to that in a second. But you've got Tariq Castro Fields coming back for that super senior year and Jaquan Brisker coming back for that super senior year. To me, man, that's huge because you look at yes. the struggles of this secondary. Uh, you look at the fact that Castro Fields most, missed most of this season due to injury. The fact that Brisker, I thought, was playing his best football toward the end of last season, and you say, yeah, these are two guys you want to have back, and now you're getting them back. So, again, I feel like it's going about as as best as you could hope for for Penn State in terms of, you know, transactions and those kinds of things. Yeah, the key is 
you know, the, the defensive line hasn't been in doubt in a while. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about, you know, we still you know, don't know the potential of the unit under John Scott. You know, we talk about, I, I think there's still talent there, but, you know, they're losing three starters now with plus Shane Simmons, who started some games too. Uh, you know, we know PJ Mustafer is a rock solid starter. We know Adisa Isaac has a lot of potential. I think he'll, he'll you know, he's going to be everybody's breakout candidate next year as a, as a starter. It's all right. What can they do? Can they, can these transfers step in? They have two transfers in uh, Arnold uh, Epicady from Temple and Derek Tangelo from Duke. So we saw James Franklin want to be active in the transfer portal. And it seems like defensive line is the place where it's going to be needed the most because they're, you know, experience at linebacker, all the linebackers should be back. Tons of experience in the defensive backfield. It's can you have these quick fixes come in and be band-aids on the defensive line? Cause if they can be, you have, you, you know, you have a really experienced roster suddenly more experienced than last year, certainly, uh, that could at least, you know, make the, what I feel is that 2020 will be an aberration. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. it's the defensive line is, and quarterback are probably the two biggest spots for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ebba Katie, I think is, is fascinating. I have a feature up on him on the athletic. If you haven't checked it out, I spoke with him a week or two ago and, you know, you talk about James Franklin said they were going to be active in the transfer portal. And to me, Ebba is the kind of guy that, as soon as his name goes in, they're reaching out to him because this yeah. is somebody who you saw the proven production last year uh, at Temple. This is certainly a position in need. And surely, you know, Penn State knew that what they were going to lose there and, and whatnot. Uh, so you look at Ebiketti and you add him into a, a young room now. I mean, suddenly defensive end went from really old to really young in a hurry. Uh, and this is a win. And I, I made light of it and said, well, hey, we can kind of pick apart and we will. And we have and we will continue to until it changes to pick apart Penn State's recruiting in Philadelphia. But in a roundabout way, you're getting a Maryland guy who was at Temple. It's a bit of a bit of a Philadelphia win there for you. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's super important. And then also you have cornerback John Dixon coming in from South Carolina. Uh, so you have that. And then also running back John Lovett added to that room. Um, Dixon I, and Lovett, sure. it's more of a mystery of what role yeah. they're going to play. <laughs> yeah, to me, those are kind of the two moves that you say, okay, I mean, you're, add, you're adding depth. I get it. But yeah, I think they're, you know, they're in a fine spot. Antonio Shelton moved on to Florida. Uh, that was a surprise considering, you know, hey, here's a starter who's going elsewhere. And Judge Culpepper uh, is transferring to Toledo. So, I mean, it's been it's been an active offseason for sure for Penn State. Uh, but, you know, as always, we're more active like... than the rest of the country. It's a crazy right. year for the transfer portal. We're still, you know, we have everybody, you know, Antonio Shelton was an interesting situation because he's a guy who's using the extra free year because he, he played he was five years at Penn State. So it's like, all right, not surprising that he'd move on. A little surprising that he'd transfer to another school, but it's, hey, free pass, take the opportunity got a degree from Penn state, go, go, you know, try to experience something else. So you can see it in some respect. We're seeing that happen a little bit elsewhere as well. You know, we're still waiting to see if the NCAA passes the free pass yeah, the for transfer all transfers. Decision. We don't know exactly when that's going to happen. We yeah, thought we it thought, happen in yeah. January. <laughs> um, so that creates, you know, a little bit more uncertainty, which we don't know if everybody's going to have just a one-time free pass transfer yet. Uh, but just certainly we're going to see an active transfer portal. It's not just at Penn state and, you know, unlike past years, Penn state is being more active at bringing guys in. It's just kind of like it or not. It's just the reality of college football right now. And, you know, you got to recruit 
uh, at the high school level, but now you got to recruit other college players too. And it's just kind of, and you have to re-recruit your own guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, We've I seen mean, it before with Penn state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just crazy. And if there's somebody, you know, a, a senior that we haven't mentioned, it's because they haven't firmed up one way or another, what they plan to do. Um, so, you know, you look at some of those guys too, and, you know, it, we should have these answers though here in the next few days, because Penn state begins the spring semester next Tuesday, but, the caveat being the spring semester is beginning virtually. So people won't be in person. Other students won't be in person till like mid-February, but the plan is to have the football team return this weekend, including your early enrollees. So these guys will move in, be taking their classes online, but still training and hopping back into the training regiment, which is also going to be interesting because you've got some guys who have played a high school football season this year. You have some who didn't play any games. You've got Penn state kids who just played, you know, nine games in nine weeks, um, you know, and ended the season about a month ago. So it's going to be a really interesting balance for Dwight Galt and the strength staff to kind of, you know, figure all of this out just because everybody's going to be at so many different spots, but yeah, we'll see Matt what the spring looks like. But again, the plan is to have the players back, this weekend moving back in and my impression my understanding is that it's kind of going to be like it was in the summer where okay i mean it's a it's a dead town around here let me tell you there's nobody else here uh but they will be back and then kind of going through their training processes uh, as they do so yeah i mean we'll we'll see what comes of it matt because it's certainly there's been a lot of movement but i'm glad you said that because that's exactly what i was going to say this isn't abnormal i think oftentimes fans want to overreact oh everybody's leaving the sky's falling like this isn't cause for concern or for panic all right so let's it's also the of course early top 25 season uh alabama won the national championship and right away you get top 25s at websites across the world, including at the <laughs> athletics, Stuart Mandel, our boss had a, uh, his early top 25 go up on Tuesday morning, Penn state number 21. I think that is going to be a pretty common ranking for Penn state in that ballpark. Uh, when you look at, okay, they ended on a four game winning streak. When you just look at the raw number of returning starters they have, which is always looked at closely. I think everybody agrees that Yersich is a good hire for offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, you looked at, you know, they, Overall, you look at some of the metrics, the advanced stats, they played better than their record. They had a couple games, you know, go against them that probably shouldn't, Indiana especially. So you add that all up, and I think, you know, based on the track record that James Franklin has had, it, you know, I think they're going to be probably – I wouldn't be surprised if they opened the season close to 21st in the eight people. Like, it seems likely. But the interesting thing is when you look at the schedule, as, as it, we yes. anticipate – uh, unlike last year when we had three different schedules at some point to talk about. Oh gosh. Yeah. I hope there's only one version. We'd this expect year. this, you know, hopefully things yeah. are more normal, but either way, you know, we, we expect the schedule to stay the same probably, but it, it, it's an unusual schedule because the big 10 is moving up some games and Penn state is scheduled to open the season September 4th at Wisconsin. So right away, a curveball, instead of playing a, bad Mac team at home to open the season. <laughs> Penn state is playing a road game against the perennial big 10 West power. Uh, so that's going to be fun, game. Matt. That is going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's my birthday too, September 4th. There I mean, you go. What a, what what a, a great birthday. birthday present. Yeah. Hopefully we can be back hopefully out on the road. Go traveling. And like take, take part in like the scene in Madison. Instead yeah. of you Have know, some spotted cows rather than exactly. covering games from the couch next year. Hopefully or just be locked in your hotel. Like hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, then you got Auburn week three. That's the other one. Well, Auburn. you're skipping something here. 
Well, yes. September yeah, 11th, Penn State hosts Ball State. Mm-hmm. And Ball State just won the MAC and finished ranked for the first time ever and could have as many as 20 starters back. Wow. So, look, Penn State is more talented than Ball State. It's a better team than Ball State. It should win that game. But when you look at Wisconsin and then you look at <laughs> Auburn, it's not some like they're not playing a, a, it's not like their fourth game. They're playing Villanova, an FCS team, September 25th. Like they're playing a good Mac team that's really experienced and could be, you know, like they played a ton of close games the last couple of years. 2019, those close games went against them. 2020, the close games went for them and they're an experienced team. So I'm not saying Penn State's going to lose that game. It's just, it's a trap you can't overlook in between Wisconsin and Auburn because they just won their conference and they have their whole team back. So they're going to be a very competent team to face in week two, even if they don't have the talent level of Penn State. And then, as you mentioned, Auburn comes to town. Hey, look, an SEC opponent with also a new head coach. Yes, a transition uh, Ryan Harson from Boise State. Uh, so, yeah, quite the interesting September. It's at Wisconsin, Ball State, Auburn. And yeah, instead of the like opening game against a cupcake opponent who's getting a big pe- paycheck, it's Villanova in week four before an off game and then the big, heart of the Big Ten schedule at Iowa. So it is a – but, yeah, even then you had – at Iowa, it's the fifth game. It is a – tricky first five games that are going to be very 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 interesting for a new offense and a team with a lot of starters back yeah there's no easing into it (laughs) and that's kind of the you know that was the part of the issue this year and you know you say okay then you know had they been one and one versus zero and two out of the gates you know maybe that would have would have changed things but yeah i hope matt hope we're back to some sort of normalcy hope that there can be fans in beaver stadium for that ball state game um hope that we can be going back out on the road and all those kinds of things but yeah um it, we will continue throughout the offseason we'll we'll be doing these uh, dear old state podcasts as needed as necessary because again we don't know what in the world this offseason is going to hold so we uh, look forward to chiming in every now and again like this when we can and hope that uh we can maybe bring some uh, positivity maybe not man maybe some excitement to your new year yeah, we will. We have early signing period coming up, which I don't think is going to be particularly active. For Second sign, yeah. We will. We will. Or so, sorry, not the early signing period. The actual old signing period, yeah, which the original. We don't expect much news necessarily, but it's always a good time to kind of reflect on recruiting and the big picture and stuff like that as well. So, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of transfer news, and we can't rule out coaching news because as we saw, and the jinx uh, lives on, and also. The, the Marshall coaching job is still open, by the way, head coaching job. And uh, Bruce Feldman, our colleague, did mention Jaywan Sider as a poten- potential candidate for that job, a former assistant there. So, hey, you got to keep an eye on all of that as well. So who knows what will happen? It's been an unpredictable year. It's probably going to be another unpredictable year. Yeah, um, sounds so, good. Yeah, we will be back on Zero Old State coming up soon as news warrants it and uh yeah in the meantime check out audrey's stories on mike yersich on the athletic and uh, we will talk to you soon thanks for listening to dear old state